Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... You pull up stuff, it's either good or it's not good, but it's harvested. It's uprooted. It's pulled out. It doesn't get a second chance. And we're arriving at a place in Revelation where God is saying, it's time. It's time. And everybody here needs to know that for your life, there's going to come a day where it's time. It's time for you to give an account for what you have done with Jesus. It's time for you to acknowledge or to give an account for what you've done with the Lord. There's going to come a day in all of our lives and we don't get to plan when that day comes. And I think that's why we need to take it very seriously. Have you ever considered that someday the bill will come due? Do you know where you stand in eternity? When this life is over, what happens next? Today in his message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that if you want to be assured in who you are beyond this world, you need to put your faith in God's perfect grace. The reality is, what you know and love is destined to come to an end. If you want to work towards something that will last forever, let Jesus pay your debts. He sacrificed himself to save you from certain death. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 14. As he begins his message, Harvest Time. We covered Revelation 14, verses 1 through 13. A quick rehearsal because it really ties in to what we're going to finish today. So we saw for the second time this group, the 144,000. They were sealed by God with the Father's name written on their foreheads. They were singing music. They were singing a new song to the Lord accompanied by music. We talked about how the Lord likes good music. Uh, We learned that they were Jewish versions without fault before God. And these were God's witnessing team. These were God's evangelistic team in the end times going out and, and sharing the gospel. And so God had an end times evangelistic team that he had sent out. And we talked about how the God was still on the move, uh, trying to draw people to himself, trying to win sinners to repentance, even in the midst of the tribulation period. Uh, Then we saw in the early part of chapter 14, another angel that was sent from heaven to proclaim the gospel to all on the earth. And so God sent an angel to make sure everybody heard the gospel. And so God had supernatural proclamation of the gospel by an angel so that everybody would hear. Nobody was left out from hearing the good news of the gospel and knowing what they needed to do to get right with the Lord. There was another angel that was proclaiming that Babylon, that great but evil world system had fallen. And so it was an announcement that the world system that many had trusted in had fallen. So they should stop trusting in it and trust in the Lord. Another angel went about warning people that if they took the mark of the beast, On their hand or their forehead, they would incur the wrath of God, full strength. They would be tormented with fire and brimstone forever and ever, and they would have no rest day or night. And so there was a stern warning against joining Satan permanently by taking this mark. And God sent great warning. The last thing spoken was the last thing that was heard was right. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. And I just love the phrasing blessed. It says blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. And I want you to know that that phrase in the Lord is everything. Everybody's going to die unless you're here for the rapture. You just want to make sure you die in the Lord. That's everything. 
If you're living in the Lord, then you will die in the Lord and you will be with the Lord for all eternity. But if you're living outside of the Lord, you will die apart from the Lord and forever you will be apart from the Lord in torment forever and ever. And that's really what we come to today, because last week we saw God send out his A squad to reach out to evangelize, to share the gospel, to make sure everybody heard, everybody was warned, everybody knew what was at stake. Today is the reaping day. Today, we're going to hear the word sickle and we're going to hear about reaping the things of the earth. And so there's a day of reckoning that comes for everybody. And so look at now chapter 14, verse 14 of the book of Revelation. It says, then I looked and behold, a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. So a couple things here. John is, is, is gets this vision. There's a, a white cloud. Interestingly, if you study through the scriptures, you'll see how, how often God's presence or God shows up with the clouds. When the law was given to Moses, when he showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration, so many instances in scripture where he shows up with the clouds. The second coming, he's coming with the clouds. But here it says, behold, a white cloud and and on the cloud sat one like the son of man. That term or that phrase son of man is used by Jesus. Uh, most commonly it was used in the gospel of Matthew 25 times in the gospel of Matthew. He referred to himself in that way. And we know he's a son of God deity, but also he was a son of man. He was, um, you know, he was, he was both God and man, but this is one of the phrases, one of the terms used to describe him. Um, so one like the son of man having on his head, a golden crown. Now, there's a couple different words in the Greek used for crown. This one right here is Stephanos. It's a victor's crown. Um, it's a crown that you would get for for having a victory. And so uh, the one that looks the one like the son of man has this victor's crown. And so we believe this is Christ. And he's the he, we know that Jesus is ultimately the victor of everything. And he's got this on his head. He's got a crown on his head. And then in his hand is a sharp sickle. Now, sickle is not a word that we use in our culture. I don't know, like icicle maybe, you know, but it's not in the, not the same idea as this thing right here. So the word sickle is used here more than anywhere else in the New Testament. It's only used seven times that it's used. Six of them are here in this little five verses. And the other one is in the Gospel of Mark. In general, a sickle was a tool that was used to harvest crops. That's how it would have been understood in Jesus day. Here, the way it's being explained in the book of Revelation is kind of both. It's this tool that's used to harvest, but the, it's not crops of, you know, you know, corn or something like that. It's going to be people. God is reaping the earth. Here is going to be an instrument also to inflict judgment and death on those who have rejected God. And so um, it's, it's, a, it's harvest time. Harvest time is there's a finality. If you go through and harvest, you know, a field, you know, you pull up stuff. It's either good or it's not good, but it's harvested. It's uprooted. It's pulled out. It doesn't get a second chance. And we're arriving at a place in Revelation where God is saying it's time. It's time. And everybody here needs to know that for your life, there's going to come a day where it's time. It's time for you to give an account for what you have done with Jesus. It's time for you to acknowledge or to give an account for what you've done with the Lord. There's going to come a day in all of our lives and we don't get to plan when that day comes. And I think that's why we need to take it very seriously. I'm I'm not in charge of when I die. You know, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to meet God one day. I, I guess, you know, unless someone, you know, takes their own life. But in general, 
you know, we're going to die when we die. You know, I got a, I got a certain number of days that I have and then they're going to expire one day. And at that point, I'm locked in for eternity of whatever I was saved, locked in, lost, locked in. And I want everybody listening to really consider where do you stand in relationship to the Lord? It's really important. It is the most important thing that is accomplished, decided and worked out in this life. The most important thing you will do in this life and with this life is get your sins forgiven to enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There is nothing more significant, nothing more important that you will do in this life than, than to be forgiven of your sins. And so if you've done that, you know this. And if you have not and you're listening, I want you to I want you to really take into consideration your eternal state. You're, you're an eternal being. You're always going to exist. You're never going to not be. When you die, you just move from this state to your eternal state. Um, human beings and angels are the two beings that are eternal. We will live forever. And so consider which, what you're going to do forever, where you're going to live forever, who you're going to be with, what you're going to be going through, as we'll get some explicit uh, and we'll get some explicit word in this chapter of what happens to those who die without Christ. So continue to follow with me. Look at verse 15. Now it says, and another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrusting your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he sat on the cloud and thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. So another angel came to the one that was like the son of man and said, go ahead. It's time. It's time to thrust in your sickle. The, the, the time is, is, is ready. It says the harvest of the earth is ripe. And a couple things, the Greek word used here for ripe, it has the idea of dry or withered. So the idea is something that was overripe. Um, it's, it's past due. It's, 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 it's beyond time. It's, it's, it's time to reap this thing. They've had enough time. They're overdone. It's time to reap it. And I, I was thinking of this, you know, when I was a kid, my next door neighbor had an avocado tree, and, but it hung over into my yard and their yard. And so once, you know, whatever time of year avocados would, would start dropping, they would drop all over the place. So his dad would collect some and, you know, they would give them out in bags to neighbors and people. But, you know, we were young boys. And so they would get, you know, they would always be extra and they would get, you know, too ripe. They hung too long and they would fall. And when something gets super ripe, it's really soft. And so we would take those avocados that were soft and we would be throwing them at one another. And I remember the street in front of our house, there was a stop sign right there. The street would be slick from the goo of avocados because we were just throwing them at each other and playing in the street with them because they were they were overripe. It was overdue. It was time to get done. Also thought of this, you know, some parents, some parents are hot headed and you need to not be hot headed with your kids. Because God has been so patient with you. But some parents is, you know, the first thing the kid breathe wrong and they upside their head, bah, bah, you know, and that's wrong. I don't stand by that kind of parenting. But there are other parents on the other side of the spectrum and the kid just is going and going. And, and you I've looked at other kids. I've looked at children misbehave where I said, man, they just need a spanking. So I would almost want to adopt them just to give them one just so they can be balanced and be ready again. And so. Uh, you can look at a kid and think that kid is overdue 
for a spanking. It's the, the, the judgment is, is, is it's just overdue. It's, it's beyond time. He needs 10 spankings ago. He needs a spanking. And so I want you to understand that God, when it says that it's, it's, it's ripe for judgment, God was patient with everyone. It was it was over time. They were overdue for the judgment that was coming. You need to know this about God because you're listening to me. That means God is giving you have you have time right now if you're listening and maybe you're listening and you know that you're overdue for the judgment of God. You've been playing games a long time with the Lord. You've been passing opportunities to get right with God for a long time. I'm saying don't pass up this opportunity. You, you, may, you could find yourself overdue for the judgment of God. That's, that's what it means. They're, they're overdue, ripe, ready for his judgment. And so um, the Bible says that the day that you hear him, don't harden your heart on that day. And if you hear the Lord calling you this day, then this is the day that you need to soften your heart and say, Lord, yes. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need forgiveness. Yes, I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave just for me. And I received your forgiveness and I want your lordship and have, have my life. Today is a day to give your life to the Lord. Don't be overdue for judgment. Be ready for forgiveness. Be, be ready for salvation. Be ready for be ready to receive and be received by the Lord. But the alternate is if, if you if you just reject that, if you say, ah, I don't want I want to do what I want to do, you may find one day. When it's too late to turn back, that you are now ripe for judgment, overdue for the judgment of God. And again, this is a reminder that God doesn't God doesn't just, you know, God gives people time to get right. You know, God's not he's not jumping at the opportunity to to smash you and to judge you. Um, but when the time comes, there does come a time when now it's too late. Now there's no going back. Now you're going to give an account for what you have done. And so. The angel said, thrust in the sickle. He thrust in his sickle and he began to reap the earth. Now, there's some imagery here as the earth is getting ready to be reaped that would take us back to a story in the Gospels. If you're a note taker and you guys at attend Calvary Chapel Inglewood knows that that means to write this down. If you're a note taker, write down Matthew 13 verses 24 through 30 and verses 36 through 43. One more time. If you're a note taker, write down Matthew 13, verse 24 to 30 and verses 36 to 43. I'm going to read to us the parable of the sower. And I want to make a couple of, of comments on that. Then we'll move on. So in Matthew 13, I'll, I'll read the parable of the sower and then we'll read the explanation. Starting at verse 24, Matthew 13, 24, it says another parable he put forth to them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sold good seed in his field. But while men slipped, but while men slept, the, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go out and gather them up? But he said, no, least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the heart, at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. Now, the explanation of that parable begins in verse 36 of Matthew 13. It says, now, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went to his house 
And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. God is the one that sows the good seed. Verse 38, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who, sh- who sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so here we have this parable that Jesus uses and the, the seed is sown into the world. The, the, but the wheat and the tear grow up together. And he says, don't, don't uproot them at the same time. So know this, Christian, that right alongside believers are non-believers. God says in the church right next to each other. I mean, they're identical. If you look at wheat and tear, you really can't tell the difference until from from early on. You have to wait till they grow big. But if you wait till they grow big and try to uproot the tear or, or take out the tear, Jesus says you, you also you might mess up and, and take out some of the, the, you know, some of the wheat. So leave it alone. I'll do the judgment. There's a couple of messages in that for us. Sometimes believers, we try to do the uprooting and the separating now early. God said, no, no, that's not your job. Don't you worry about that. Let the fakers be fake. You just make sure you're not one of them. What we want to do, we don't want to, we don't want to make it our job in the church to be trying to discern who's real and who's not. It's not your job. What you want to do is look in the mirror of the word of God and make sure you are not a tear, that you are sincere. What mark the tear? You who practice lawlessness. These are people that have not repented. They are living in habitual rebellion to God, though they attend church. Same thing we see in Matthew seven with that group. Right. What identified the group that thought they were going to heaven, but weren't they were serving in the church, prophesying, casting out demons, doing many wonders. But it was you who practiced lawlessness. Here's a word to someone listening today. Don't add Christian service to your rebellious, sinful life. It's not how it goes. Uh, some people, maybe maybe it makes you feel better about the sin that you're doing. Maybe it makes you not feel so bad. Don't do this. Don't add Christian service to a wretched, sinful, wicked life, because in the end, you might deceive yourself. Your service might deceive you into thinking that you're okay with the Lord when God would say you got clear verses in Scripture that show you could serve your tail off and still not be born again. Have you repented and turned to Christ? And maybe someone's listening to this and they say, man, that's me. I, I do do stuff. I do. It makes me feel better about myself, but I have not repented. I, I would call you to repent today. Then serve God. Turn from your sin. Repent of your sin. Receive forgiveness from Jesus for your sins and then serve God with everything that you have. But don't just add Christian service to a rebellious life. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I grew up with a mom that was uh, my mom was agreeable to Christianity and would have claimed to be Christian when I was a kid. And, and there were times when my mom would say, you know, we had a lot of bad things going on. And I remember there'd be times when my mom would say, I want all of us to go to church. And, you know, we, we, you know, maybe in my lifetime as a kid, maybe five times, you know, we went to church. 
and we would leave and that would be the sediment. Like, I feel so much better now. I went to, I went to church. I feel better. Um, and I just want to challenge you not to treat church like that, that we wouldn't treat church like something we do to go feel better. Service, something we do to feel better. Giving, something we do to feel better. You want to actually be better. And in order to be better, you got to turn from sin and turn to the Lord. And so but back to our parable, there came the time of reaping. God said, it's going to happen at the end of the age. I'm going to be the one that does it and I'll separate the wheat and the tares. I'll make the difference. I'll 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 identify that which is legitimate and that which is not legitimate at the end. And it'll be permanent at that point. All right. A tear can't say, wait, 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 wait. I want to be a wheat now. No, you bundled up to be burned. It's over with. Also, for those that are, you know, there are people today that are kind of. You know, wanting to suggest that hell is not a real thing, that why would a God of love? I don't think God would torment people. It's all through the Bible. We just we read it. We're reading it in Revelation. We just read it in Matthew. What do you suggest? Why would they be weeping and gnashing of teeth? Think about that. I'm a grown man. Right. I've experienced pain over the course of my life. I said, ow, you know, I don't I've never felt pain so bad that I was gnashing. That I was going. Mm. I've never been there before. Maybe you have. God bless you. I've never been there before. But he says that that's what it's going to be like for them. And it's forever. Think about that. Right? God's judgment is not a joke, especially because you've had opportunity to escape it. And so um, so back to Revelation chapter 14, um, that parable just as a reminder that God's going to be the one that does the separating. And there will be a time of, of, of harvest. There will be a time when there's a reckoning. Uh, and a separating. And again, it's going to be a wonderful day or a horrible day, all depending on what you have done with Jesus. Imagine that you're a believer. Imagine that you're someone that have, have received Christ's forgiveness for your sins and you believe he rose from the grave and, and the harvest time comes and, and it's time for judgment, it's time for separation and you're separated from this life to be with the Lord. Imagine that. Because that's going to be reality for the believer. No suffering, no sorrow, no pain, no weeping and wailing, no gnashing of teeth, no bills, no trauma, you know, peace. I mean, all the things the Bible says about heaven, there'll be fullness of joy at his right hand or pleasures forevermore. No sorrow, no pain, no suffering forever and ever and ever. That's the reality for the man, the woman that is forgiven of their sins that is in Christ. And so, again, if you're in Christ, you have hope. You have a great hope. Um, but if you are not in Christ, then you need to consider what you're doing. Why are you? Why? Why would you waste another? Don't waste this opportunity today to find yourself in Christ. You need what He's offering. I need. We need. You need to be forgiven. And so we, we need to we need to ask Him. We need to reach out. We need to we need to confess. We need to receive Him by faith that we might be forgiven of our sins. Moving on now, look at verse 17. It says, then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And so we see God making use of the angels. Angels, just a reminder, these are God's ministering spirits. God used angels to send messages. God used angels to fight, uh, you know, to fight battles in the spirit realm. Um, angels are created beings and those that belong with the Lord are fighting with those that are running with the devil, but they, they're, they're, they're God's ministering spirits and God uses angels for many things in scripture. Um, one of the things that they, they do, they, they protect us. We don't even know all the protection that we've received from angels. They, they're, they're things that are happening in an unseen realm that we're just unaware of. But here God is, is just is sending them out one by one to go do, or they're, or they're coming 
and, 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 and receiving orders or direction from the Lord, or they're coming back to report things to the Lord. And so uh, verse 18, another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So this angel who has power over fire, this is why that's important because fire is one of the methods God uses to judge. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Revelation can seem like a long book to work through, but it's all in the attitude you approach it. If you look at it as something amazing and inspiring that God has gifted to you to understand Him better, it helps you see everything with a different lens. Revelation is cool. It's a mashup of all the best elements of a sci-fi movie. But in reality, it will bring an amazing resolution to all that's wrong in the world. Isn't that what we all want? Look at the book of Revelation with appreciation of who God is and that He's the one in control. If you'd like to listen to more teachings in Revelation, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you're wanting to connect with someone more personally about this ministry, go ahead and call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to encourage you as you're seeking God for wisdom, insight, and understanding. So please pick up that phone and dial or text 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today, and Pastor Bill will be back with more next time in the book of Revelation. Until then... Remember who God has created you to be in this broken and fallen world. Don't lose heart and stay connected to a transforming word.